Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Kind of wrapping up our Christmas starter pack series. And the, the mindset and the thought behind this Christmas series is the idea that um, if you grew up in the States, you grew up in, in, uh, in the, the northern, uh, in North America, then Christmas is a part of culture. It is a part of who we are. Um, whether or not you grew up with an understanding that Jesus was the reason for the season or um, not, that Christmas was an exciting time. You got out of school, you had special parties, you got some gifts. It was an exciting time. But let's think about that somebody is not grown up around the holiday, around Christmas. And they've come to Christ. And, we, and then as you're in the discipleship process, you're kind of helping them grow and, and, and trying to explain this to them. And you're like, okay, well, Christmas. Um, what, what is Christmas? What is this moment? What is this celebration about and across culture, across the world, across this, what will we boil this down to? What is the Christmas starter pack? And guess what? There's a lot of stuff that I personally enjoy that doesn't make, don't make the cut in the starter pack. Christmas tree don't make the cut. The Christmas lights don't make the cut. Um, a lot of these different things that we do, which are great. I don't have a problem with them. I do them myself. But they're not core to Christmas. So what we have to do is make sure that in all of the other stuff, we didn't miss out ourselves on what's actually core to Christmas. So we, as we've tracked along in this, that's kind of been the heart in this. And every week we have launched with this idea that Christmas, Christmas starts with Christ. It starts with Jesus, that is what it is 100% about. And understanding this and keeping this at the forefront of our minds helps to keep everything else in proper order. Otherwise, we can kind of, we try to slip it in at the end. We kind of miss out on the real benefit of it. And so <clears throat> having seven kids and, and being able to teach kids the d- different uh, different processes in life, and so one of the things you've got nine people in a house. You the, open the door, close the door, come in and go out. Lots of different times. There's lots of foot traffic in the Clark house, and so one of the things is we've all encouraged our kids is to wipe your feet at the front door. We don't make people kick off their shoes mainly because we've all we've had teenage boys in our house for a long time. And we don't want that to happen, and so. Um, <laughs> Keep your shoes on for, for us all. And so, but wipe your shoes. Then knock off the, the, the dirt, the grass, those stupid little uh, things that grow out and create all those little stickers. Uh, knock all of those off of your feet. Well, when Carson was uh, about uh, six years old, um, we had been working on him to wipe his feet. Well, at some point, um, he comes in. We didn't have a mat at the back door. We now have a mat at the back door. And so, but he comes in, goes through the house, goes out the front door. And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, I got to wipe my feet. <laughs> we had gone all the way through the house. I'm like, son, it's kind of pointless. 
It's kind of pointless at, at this time. And so many times we, we can do that with Christmas season. Is that we get going, we do all that, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this. And we, we actually miss the reason. We actually miss the benefit of it. So we want to stay focused on this. And this passage of scripture isn't normally a Christmas scripture. But the truth is, is this is what it's all about. And we're going to go to a passage of scripture. Even if you're new with us and the new to this whole Christian thing. Um, this is one of the most known passages, the most known passage of Scripture in the world. And I want to make sure we get the follow-up verse, verse 17 as well. We all know John 3.16. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God, this is this underlying reason. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We see here that God so loved that he gives so that we might all be saved, not to bring condemnation. Folks, the fact of us celebrating Jesus should be the most liberating news anybody ever hears in their life at all. And we should never, ever grow weary of saying it or hearing it or, or, or ringing that bell and making sure everybody knows that this is what this is about. That God didn't send Jesus to condemn us. To look at our lives and to, to go through his little check, checklist and, and God being the one to check in to see if we're naughty or nice. God's the one who's up there deciding, okay, yeah, you, you, came, to, you came to church so many times this year, you, you made the cut. You prayed so many times this year. I saw you do some giving, uh, you made the cut. Oh, you didn't. Oh, my goodness. Oh, naughty, naughty, naughty. And, and you're not making the cut. Jesus did not come to go through that. He came not to condemn but to save the world. That is why he's here. And that is what this whole thing is celebrated about. Is salvation. Is the fact that God loves us. And we have to keep that at the forefront of our mind the whole time. See, Christmas was started by God giving us his son. It was started by God giving. Folks, that's the reason we do this whole giving thing. God doesn't need anything from us. So we don't go and, and carry these, these little gifts and stick them in front of some altar or something like that. We give to his body, one another. We give gifts and we celebrate that. I hope that in your gift giving this year, you are celebrating the gift of the relationships that God has put in your life. You're celebrating the gift of love that God, has, God himself has poured out through these core relationships in your life, your friends and your family. I hope that you're a celebration of that is what is a part of all of that. And if it hasn't been, guess what? It's not too late. Most of us haven't done all of our festivities yet. It's still a couple of days ahead of us. And so let's just make that mental shift and let's celebrate and see that it's, that, that is the truth. Because here's the beautiful thing is God always provides for us on the front side. Our response is always to respond to his already given provision. God provided salvation and now we just respond to it. God has provided everything that we need for life and godliness and now we just 
respond to it. We're not trying to get God to do something. He's done it in Christ. And that is what this season is to celebrate. It is to celebrate. But we have to make sure we're, we're hearing the good news in the middle of all this. Let's go back to Luke chapter 1. And let's look at verse 26. It says, in the, in the sixth months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, let's pause right there. Mary's troubled at his words. What does he say? He says, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Is there anything troubling about that? Is there anything troubling about that? He doesn't say, oh, be prepared. Don't be fearful. Oh, man, but bad stuff's coming, but I'm with it. No, it's a, it is as sweet of a greeting as you could possibly get. But guess what? The context of where she's at and where Israel is at, this thing just, it just, doesn't, make, it just doesn't make sense. Since she was troubled at his greeting, at his words, and wondered what kind, of, what kind of greeting is this? Not even the fact that there's an angel talking to her. That would have freaked me out. She's troubled at his, what he had to say. And he says, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, let's see, first off, where is she? She's in a city called Nazareth, okay? In John's gospel, in John chapter 1, and Jesus begins his ministry, in the, and, and John is, is laying down his story there. He tells a part of it about a guy named Philip who goes to a guy named Nathaniel and says, man, we, I, we found the one that was prophesied by that he was going to come and he was going to fulfill everything written by Moses. He, he's going to fulfill it all. And so when it comes out that he's in Nazareth, and Nathaniel's response to this isn't, oh my goodness, this is amazing. How cool, we've been praying for this. Our nation's been praying for this. His response is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That was his response. Can, it, can anything good Come out of Nazareth? She was, so here is Mary who, who is living in a place that is a despised place in her nation. She's not living in the hot spot, in the most beautiful, lush place in Israel. She's living in a place that other people look down on. She's living in a place that people think nothing good can come out of there. And that is her hometown. That's where she's living we tend to romanticize this place of, of Israel and, and Mary. But she, was, she lived on the wrong side of the tracks. She lived in the wrong place in Israel. And that was where she was going. Then, not only that, she lives in a really ugly time in Israel's history. 
See, we kind of track along. We open up our Bibles. We start there in Genesis, and, and we move along, and we see God do cool stuff and do cool stuff and do cool stuff. And Israel is knucklehead, and then they pull away, and God does cool stuff. And then we track through, and, and we get to Malachi, and, and then all of a sudden we're in Matthew, and we're in the stories of Jesus. But guess what? Between Malachi and Matthew, in the chronology of everything that took place, as, the, as different prophets and different people were rising up in Israel's history, Malachi takes place and there is 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. That's like, a, that's like it being going back to it being 1619. And we're thinking about something, the last thing, time something happened was 1619. We can't even wrap our minds around that kind of concept. So here there's been 400 years of silence. She lives in a terrible spot in Israel. On top of it, Israel's not even a free nation. Everybody looks back at Israel's glory days under Solomon and David and all of those different stuff. Everywhere they go, they see Roman centurions and Roman occupation. That is where she lives. Jesus will, in his teachings, will tell us and give us the principle of going the extra mile. That's because the Roman occupiers could grab any random person on the street and force them to carry their stuff for a mile. They couldn't make it do it all the time, but they, you, they, you were forced if they said, carry my stuff. I wasn't going that way. And Jesus says, you know what? If somebody does that to you because it happened, he said, you know what? Why don't you go two miles? Why don't you go two miles? Man, that made every one of those Israelis just bow. Are you kidding me, Jesus? I can't stand the fact you're my, we're thinking you're Messiah. You're going to get rid of these Roman oppressors. Now you're telling us to serve them willingly? No, we're, we're God's people. We're supposed to have a free nation. This is where Mary is. Mary is in an occupied nation that Rome is oppressing them, taxing the snot out of them, just squeezing them. She's in, the, in this terrible spot in this oppressed deal with 400 years of silence. It's like God left. It's like God packed his bags and moved out. Rome moved in, and it's a horrible, terrible place. That's what it feels like to them. And here, this beautiful, amazing greeting just hit her in the face. It wasn't even the miracle of an angel talking to her. It was the fact that somehow, somehow in the middle of all of this, that she's highly favored and God's with her. I don't feel favored and I don't feel like God's with me. Your words make no sense to me. So many times, folks, we can find ourselves in this place where we begin to analyze our situation. We begin to drill down into our stuff, and we get to begin to be so self-focused that even good news is troubling. She was troubled at his words. And they were good words. They were good words. 
Sometimes we can get so used to despair and we get used to just kind of rolling through it that we actually get upset when hope begins to show up. We say, don't you get my hopes up. Don't you get my hopes up. Don't get my hopes up because I can't have them crashed again. I know how to handle frustration. I know how to handle having to carry a load a mile. I know how to do that kind of mess. I know how to get through life. I have figured that out. Don't you get my hopes up. There are too many people that we bump into at Academy and bump into at Walmart and bump into in different places that are just going through life and their first encounter with your highly favored God is with you. Man, those words are troubling. Because I don't feel favored and I don't feel like God's anywhere near me. But guess what? He is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is God with us. And I so love it that this doesn't turn the angel away. Back to 29, it says, And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. All of a sudden, man, this news just keeps getting better and better and better. But it's one of those things that that it still began to process it. And she asked the question, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? This doesn't make sense. I can't be a mom. The stuff that needs to happen for moms to be um, it hadn't happened. I'm a virgin. And the angel answers and says, The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy, <clears throat> the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Will be the Son of God. Mary, I, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. The Holy Spirit. It is what is going to cause that life to begin to grow inside your womb. The Holy Spirit is going to be again to create that. And her response is, be it unto me according to your word. See, her eventual response was to embrace what initially had troubled her. She was initially troubled at his word. And her faith response was, let it be according to your word. There are these places where so many times as we study the scriptures and we look at it, that there are times that it feels like our our daily life doesn't line up with what the word is saying. And it can trouble us. But our faith response has to ultimately be, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me. God wants to give us this amazing, beautiful gift into our life. And it has to be. According to his word. See, Jesus entered this world as a child, and we enter his kingdom the same way. We enter as a child. That is what this is all about. God came to us as a child, and guess what? We come to him as a child. He modeled this for us all the way through. I absolutely love, love, love childlike faith. It is just so beautiful. It is so real, it is so honest, and 
So with our, with our seven kids, with all of them, um, then at, at night we do the, do the prayers. And we sent them down and do the prayers. And I started this with, with Keenan, and he's uh, 24 years old now. And we've got the two little ones. And, uh, you know, Keenan doesn't have me tuck him into bed anymore, praise God. And so that, that would be weird. And so, but the two little ones I still do. And, uh, and so we take them up to bed um, every night. And there's this little, silly little prayer um, that we've done that was after we've done our other prayers that we end it with this every time. And so, and I was started when Keenan was little. And so we just pray. He said, you're blessed from your nose to your toes, your hair, and everywhere. I know that's terrible rhyme, but <laughs> that was the best I had back then. So, uh, but your hair and everywhere, you're blessed as you rest, and you're going to live for Jesus, all the days of your life. They had me add the kiss. And so, actually, it is morphed and says, and we're going to live for Jesus. That's actually it. All the days of your life. And so, and, uh, and so we, we, we do that. Um, we do that every night. And so, and then we've recently have begun to add uh, a new thing that we have done that, that, um, uh, number of months ago, actually it's been probably about a year, um, that our youngest one, Pressy, would just begin to get fearful. She would just begin to get really fearful, and she was constantly um, checking if an adult was around. I mean, she just did not, she did not want to be left alone. She's never been left alone. We've left, we've accidentally left Carson at the house when we all came to church one time. (laughs) So we've had that parent fail. Um, She's never witnessed it, and so she's never been left any time. Uh, but she's just fearful that we're going to, to, to leave her, and I've prayed over her. I've prayed over her, and I've prayed over her, and she would still get fearful. She would still get fearful. And so finally, about, <clears throat> about three months ago, uh, we began to just say, all right, okay, I'm, I'm just t- done with this. The scriptures tell us. That God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. And so I would tell her that all the time. So finally at prayer, I was like, okay, you're going to confess it. We're not praying anymore. You're going to speak God's word, and you're going to do this. So every night, so then now we've done it. And now, man, that she does not let me leave the room until we say it. And so we say, God has not given me. She says, God has not given me a spirit of fear. And so, and so she does the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And man, I tell you what, as that little girl has begun to own the, that truth, that there's a place where as dad, I could pray over her and do that kind of thing. But as she begins to own that truth, she has begun to systematically, we begin to see her, that spirit of fear leave her. And we begin to systematically see that. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how it showed up, why she began to be fearful about those things. But, man, we just begin to do it. And, man, I sit there, and I'll do our little nose-to-toes prayer. And if I have a, you know, a moment I'm not thinking, she's like, Dad, God's not giving me. And so and then sometimes she'll lead it. So then I'm the responder. She'll lead me in it. And so she'll so make sure she has it down deep in her heart. But I love that childlike faith thing. I love that because that is the way God has called us, 
to live, to trust him, to hold his word above every other thing. Whether our emotions or any other thing comes in, to hold that higher, that truth stronger than anything else. Matthew chapter 1 verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. The baby came in and it was God with us. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Matthew 18.1 says, At that, at that time the, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They wanted to know. They thought it was one of them. The disciples thought it was one of them. Who's, 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 who's awesome in the kingdom? And he called a little child to him. And he placed the child among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Folks, this place where we just receive what he has for us, that is what this is about. It's about this beautiful childlike faith, not childish faith, but simple childlike faith. Too many times we can have too many life experiences and look at our own situation and analyze it and have that res initial response like Mary. It says, oh, I'm troubled at your word. But we have to eventually get to a place that says, be it unto me according to your word. And our kids will do it. That's why our children's ministry is so important. That's why it's so important because guess what? What better time for somebody to come to God as a child but when you're already a child? When you don't have all of the other experiences and disappointments and all of the analytical processes trying to tell you that, 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 it, that, there's, that God's not with you. When God is with you, that He is. That is why it's so vital. See, Christmas should be a reminder of the wonder of simply being a child of God. It shouldn't surprise us that even our culture connects Christmas with like the wonder, with childlike wonder. Even just our culture, even if you take Christianity out of it and you see all of the different stuff that our culture puts on Christmas, there's always this element of childlike wonder. And this should be a time where so many times where just life can begin to wear us down that we as a people, as the children of God, begin to go, God, this really is about you coming to me. This isn't about me coming to you. This is about you coming to me. And Lord, I just begin to receive that freshly all over again. I begin to remember that it's what you've done for me and not what I'm trying to do for you. Lord, that is what this is 100% about. See, Colossians 2, verse 6 says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. And Matthew 19, verse 13. See, remember, we already read in verse 18, I mean, chapter 18, that Jesus showed his disciples. It's about, about a child. That's the greatest. That was Matthew 18. Now we're going to look at Matthew 19. 
Folks, this is why we have to revisit this all the time. Because even Jesus' disciples who had the life lesson done right there. Jesus grabs a kid, put him in the midst of it. They had the visual. He pulled out all the teaching stops. And then we get to chapter 19, and here they are. It says, and then verse 13, it says, And then the people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. And remember, 18's already happened. So the disciples obviously responded and said, Bring those kids. Jesus loves kids. Bring those kids. You got to come as a child anyways. Bring those kids. He already taught them at 18. Wait a second. Let's read. Did they do that? It says, but the disciples rebuked them. They rebuked them. Don't bring your kids to Jesus. Jesus has got important stuff to do. Don't you be bothering him with a little snot-nosed brat. Jesus has got Messiah stuff to do. He rebukes them. They, just, they lost it. They forgot. They forgot. They'd had that amazing lesson and they forgot. And then Jesus said, let the children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Now let's not look down our nose too hard at the disciples on this. Let's not look down our nose too hard at them. Because the truth is, is we forget this too. We forget it. We forget that it's simply about just trusting him to be a good dad, that he loves us and he's for us and he's active in our lives, that his word is bigger than anything else, that he, has, he sees the big picture. Even if we think I'm stuck in Nazareth in an oppressed deal and there's nothing good that can come, God can bring a miracle at any moment. He is the miracle in every moment. We cannot forget that. And let this, let this Christmas time, this, this Christmas starter pack should be. The core piece of it is remembering that God loved us so much. He sent his son and with him he gave us every good gift ever. Our bottom line today is childlike faith is the key to Christ-like maturity. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.